Hey everybody, welcome to Screen Time. Welcome. 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 So Matt was just telling me mm-hmm. that uh, he did a road trip to our Mildura location. Yes. Over yeah. the past two days, mm-hmm. just to suss what's going on over there. And he was listening to a very interesting podcast. Matt, please regale the group with what was in said podcast. Yeah, sure. So it was talking about uh, if it's possible for Gen Z to come back to the cinemas. Gen Z, Gen Z. Mm. Gen Z. Gen Z? Yeah, yeah. okay. Z um, is American, Z is Australian. Ah, man. This, the American influence is really yeah. showing in me. So it was really, really interesting. Um, it was between, obviously, the host and a expert in demographics from a cinema software company called Vista. Uh, and effectively, he was going through the data and was saying that Gen Z, Gen Z isn't disengaged with film. They're probably just disengaged with film on the big screen. Um, but that the data shows that when they do show up for a film, um, it's usually in the horror genre mm-hmm. um, or a superhero film okay. uh, or a film that has some kind of viral marketing component to it. Okay. And they'll usually come uh, in opening weekend. Uh, and then after that, not at all. Yep. So, so you sort of you get your one chance to, yep. to make an impression mm-hmm. with Gen Z. And then after that, they're, they're not coming. They're not very forgiving, so nope. you're telling me. So if you make a film and your Gen Z uh, target audience don't arrive on mm-hmm. Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Opening weekend. Yeah. That's it. Then you, you can just pack up. Okay. Go home. Whereas we've noticed that mm. the older generations are the opposite mm-hmm. in that. I think they kind of foresee that coming. So they don't go on opening weekend because they know that it's going to be Gen Z filled. So they their numbers kind of pick up in the preceding weeks after. Yeah. Interesting. And th- another thing, I didn't even know that this existed. And so if this is like one of those social things that I should know that I don't know, mm-hmm. please tell me. Gentle Minions. Yes. Yeah, okay. That was a whole thing. Yeah, I, yeah. I missed this. So what, what, what is Gentle Minions? What was it? Gentle Minions was when the last Minions movie came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, teenagers were... Teenage boys specifically were dressing up in suits. Yep. Uh, booking tickets to the Minions. And then hardcore trashing the cinema once they got in there. Oh, really? Yeah, it became this whole thing. We actually had to ban them from certain... Like our certain sites, but also in the states, there was literally a "you will be refused entry." Yeah, if you right. Are gentle minioning. Interesting. Yeah. So, do you know? Like, All to go viral. Really. Why did it start? Because it happened on TikTok. Uh, TikTok. Yeah. Um. So I completely missed that. Okay. Is that because you're not Gen Z, so you're not on TikTok? Uh, yeah, yeah. I usually do the millennial thing and yeah. wait a couple of weeks for it to come out on Instagram. Yeah, you watch the like reel of the TikTok. I do watch the reel of the TikTok. Yeah. That's right. I just keep it real. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> um. No. I said um. You've actually said like seventeen. Um, Have I? This time, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I think that's a well. If we can learn anything from the gentle minions mm-hmm. movement, it's that. Uh, We've got the right idea in coming the second weekend so that the Gen Z's can have yeah. the opening weekend because I don't want to be in a cinema no, that gets trashed. I don't want to. Um, but they did say that in the information around the Minions that that was probably one of the few franchises that saw like good numbers in their first film mm-hmm. 
uh, and then it dipped in the second, but then there was a resurgence in the third. Is that because and of the genuine meaning? That's sort of the point that this mm-hmm. podcast episode was, was making, was mm-hmm. that um, they think it was bolstered by this yeah. gentle minions movement, which is crazy because it's like, okay, well, as a cinema exhibitor, mm-hmm. you want to make money from okay. this film, but you also don't want your auditorium to be trashed. Yeah. And so you really have to weigh the pros and cons. Exactly. Is and it worth it? Is it also a thing of, from a film's point of view, is this the epitome of current day, there's no bad press in that, mm. you know, it helped spike their film, but yep. not necessarily for good reasons. Yep. Like, you know, they got more attendances, but not because people actually wanted to watch the film. They were going so that they could represent mm. themselves on TikTok and then trash cinemas yeah, yeah. that's true mm. that's true it's not really the merit of the film at all no. then is it so it's the it's, art it's kind of in an inaccurate box office mm. in that it's not that the film was i mean hey the film may have been great but mm. you know it's not because of people are going to see it because they want to see it people are going to see it for the virality of it. yeah yeah and so i think well, it's not an original thought. I heard it from the podcast that uh, for the That's most, not this podcast. The most recent, what? I know a different podcast. Uh, we won't mention that. Um, a for Scream, mm. uh, they were doing uh, uh, this viral marketing campaign of what's the guy's spooky face, sleigh face, smile face, happy face, sad face. Ghost face. Ghost face. They're doing ghost face walking through all these different security cameras at like yeah. different venues and everything and loading those to, to TikTok. Yeah. The okay. TikTok. The TikTok. Uh, and apparently that got really good traction okay. as well. And so Scream really performed with a Gen Z audience. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so it's, it's, it is like a, there can be TikToks that originate from like the, the ground level mm-hmm. of, you know, Gen Z's making it. Um, but it can also be something that's created by a marketing department Correct. and then capitalized yeah. upon, in which case you're right. Like it's nothing to do with the quality no. of the film. It's all about the quality of the marketing campaign. And like most things on social media, you have absolutely no way of predicting what is actually going to blow up and mm. what isn't mm. because it's literally all reliant on what people get a hold of mm. because you can put out the best marketing campaign out there. And go, oh my god, how did that not do anything? And exactly, something as simple as that. Illumination and Universal had nothing to do with the fact that these teenage boys were rocking up in suits. They didn't yeah. tell them to do that. Yeah. These kids just took it upon themselves and then boosted it for them. Yeah. Like, and if you'd pitched that in a marketing oh, meeting, like you would have been laughed out of the room. It would have been a no-go zone. <laughs> it would have been a no-go zone. No-go zone. So it's weird to think that audiences are shaping cinema but in a different way than we used to like it's not just we gonna we want to go see it so we're going to see it and make sure that it earns money mm. now it's a case of we're going to go see it to then be able to unfortunately trash a cinema or yeah. do something irresponsible like that in their dream of becoming viral on the internet yeah which is a whole different episode about why do we care so much about going viral on the internet? Yeah. Yeah. Well, but it's not even the individual now. The companies and the, the mm-hmm. film distributors yeah. are wanting to go viral on oh, the internet. Absolutely. And so we're probably going to end up seeing this as Gen Z gets a bit older and enters the workforce more and more. Mm-hmm. We're probably going to see this like groundswell in marketing companies of trying to get Gen Z talent Yep. To champion these viral campaigns yeah, for whatever product so. they're trying to sell. Very much so. I hate that. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds horrible. Unfortunately, <laughs> it's where we're at. Yeah, so they also sort of said, or were saying that 
when a film came out back in the day, mm. like 20 years ago, hey. if, it, <laughs> if it, yeah, that's back in the day now, um, if it wasn't very good, mm-hmm. you didn't know, like audiences didn't know that it was very good without seeing it yeah. uh, until like the newspaper came out on Monday morning and yeah. you're like, opening weekend was terrible, don't go and see this film. But then, so there'd be three, four days there. There'd be four days where people could go and see the film with having out no yeah. external impression of mm-hmm. it. And so they're really, really unbiased. Uh, and so if you did make an average film, you could still probably, you know, do okay. Yeah. Um, nowadays, like Not zero totally. tolerance. Yeah. Like oh, if yeah. it sucks in that like opening session, yeah. everyone's going to know about it. Yeah. And for those digital natives, the Gen Zs, and, and probably the millennials mostly. Millennial-ish. Um, millennial-ishes. Uh, yeah, like we, we find our information out online. If it's terrible, we know about it and we don't go and see it at all. Yeah. Um, well, here's a, here's a different point. Do you care about what other people think? Like, is that something... Will that change your view on it? Like, will you see something online and go, mm. oh, that's it, I'm not going to go see it now? Or do you go, yeah, righto, and then go settle it yourself? Mm. I probably care... No, no, actually, no. I don't. I don't. I don't care about anybody's opinion. No, no. <laughs> um, you shouldn't. If there's a film that I'm interested in, it's usually the concept of the film yeah. that I'm interested in. Probably because I'm not sure if you picked up on this, but I have somewhat low brow tastes. Oh, uh, is that know, so? I'm, I'm not. I'm not there to Vin admire. Vin Diesel's the best actor. <laughs> I'm not there to admire the foley work or mm-hmm. the cinematography or even the direction Look like you throwing big words out there <laughs> it, I'm, I'm there for like the concept yeah. of the the narrative yeah uh, for the story and the characterization and if those things are present in the trailer and i'm interested in that i yeah. probably will go and see it despite what everybody else yeah. says like i still went and saw fast x not because i'm a particularly big fan of vin diesel although it might sound like i am but literally because I wanted to get out of the house yeah. and I didn't hate it. Yeah. Wasn't crazy about it. I knew that it was, you know, somewhat average. Mid-range. Yeah. But, uh, you yeah. know, that was what I wanted. And yeah. so I still went and saw it. Yeah. Um, so, no, I do not, like, follow critics or mm-hmm. people in particular, influencers, and okay. choose my films based on what they recommend. Which you can attest to because you recommend a lot of films to me. Yeah, I don't and he see just them. <laughs> straight up refuses to go. Sorry, see no, <laughs> no. You know, each to their own. I too don't like to be told, so I can see where you're coming from. I just think it's a funny, I don't know, accurate representation of this current generation. In that this concept isn't foreign. In that we see at the cinema a lot of older generations wait until there's like a newspaper review or, yep. you know, it gets reviewed on one of the morning shows. Mm. Then they'll come and see it. And it doesn't really matter what the review is because it will either be, oh, I heard that it was really, you know, average. And then it's all like, but I've heard from other people that it's really good. So I thought I'd come check it out myself anyway. So it's like, yep. they still get to the same point. They just take a different avenue to get there. And I feel like this is probably Gen Z's version of that in that, they need to see somebody bag it on the internet first mm. before they go see it. Yep. Because unfortunately, as humans, <laughs> that's <laughs> how we roll. Goodness forbid we make up our own mind mm. and do it on our own merit. So I think there is definitely a similarity. It's just in a new form. Yep. And unfortunately, that form is TikTok. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I can see that. I wonder, do you think we're more opinionated... Like the, do you think the generations are getting more opinionated um, the younger they are? Like, do we have a stronger concept of 
I want to see this in a film and if it's not there, I'm not going to see it. Whereas do older generations, are they more open-minded and they sort of want someone else's opinion? I would maybe say the other way. Yeah? I would maybe say the older generations have more of an opinion, especially on the newer content. Mm -hmm. Um, I just feel like the younger generation are more influenced by it, not necessarily have stronger opinions on it. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Anyway, completely (laughs) separate from all of this... (laughs) Discussion. I watched the new colour purple, not the actual colour, the film. Don't make the joke. <laughs> yeah, so you went like painting your room and you're no. like, gee, I'm just going to sit here Did and watch it dry. Did do some painting, but yeah, it was okay. white. Thank you very much. Okay. <laughs> um, no, I saw the new colour purple. I feel like I may have seen it too close to the original because I only watched the original for the first time about three, maybe four weeks ago. Okay. So for those of us that haven't seen it, Okay, it's just... Not me. What's what's the concept? So, it is a story of growth. Mm -hmm. And it is a story of an African-American woman in the Deep South in the early 1900s about her pretty much rising from a life of abuse and trials and tribulations and becoming her own independent self. Yep. And yeah, it's it's quite a harrowing story. So watching it twice, <laughs> watching it twice within a month, it, yeah, yeah, it's hard work. But I must say, the musical version, so the latest version, yep, whether rightly or wrongly, was m- more upbeat. And I don't know if that's just because of the musical numbers. Okay. But it didn't feel as deep in terms of the dramatic effect that I felt from the first one. Okay. But I could have just been getting wrapped up in the songs. I'm not saying that the songs were a bad thing mm. because I think in terms of character aspect, um, it gave Celie, the main character, it gave her a voice, literally. Yeah. Like, gave her an opportunity to be able to express her thoughts. Whereas in the first movie, she is suppressed by pretty much everyone. Yeah. So I think in that aspect, it was really good. The performances were really good. The songs were good. It, for obvious reasons, resonated more in the States than what it did here in terms of box office. Okay, yeah. But I don't think that's a reflection on the production of the film. Mm -hmm. But again, like movies of late, it's a movie that's based on the Broadway show that was based (laughs) on the original (laughs) movie that was based on a book. Yeah, yeah. Which proves that we still can't release original content because we're constantly just doing adaptations of stuff that already exists. Well, I'm just waiting for musical Iron Man. Now that's something. Yeah. Come on, Marvel. Give us a musical superhero. I know that Captain America isn't really a thing, but Mm. in Disneyland, there is a Steve Rogers musical. Is there really? Yeah. I would would see that. It's on YouTube. Yeah. Is the soundtrack on Spotify? Oh, good question. I don't know. Because I was uh, listening to the Broadway soundtrack of Mean Girls. Yeah, you were. And the songs that they cut from the film are really good. Yeah, right? So, if you haven't seen Mean Girls, if you don't have the time to go and see it, I think you actually probably get... You know the plot by now. Yeah. I hope. If you don't... If not, you live under a rock. Then you're worse than me. (laughs) And go and put your Crocs back on and grow your mullet long. Um... 
But yeah, is it, you know what the plot is. So yeah. go and just listen to the soundtrack uh, on Spotify, just on your way to work, or whatever. It's kind of like watching the film. You still get the same impact from the characters. Mm-hmm. The songs are amazing. They are. I loved it. But yeah, it's because it's really very good. Mm. It is so very good. So um, on a scale, yeah, between um, the latest, uh, between Wonka, yep, uh, and of which I watched just recently. Uh-huh. Why were you so against it? It's uh, good. Is it? Yeah. I don't think it is. It is. So on a scale between Wonka and Greatest Showman. Yeah. Because I feel like Wonka has like three songs in it and they support a musical. And Greatest Showman's just like all songs. Uh, where does the color purple sit? How many, how much? In terms of songs? Yeah. Like how how many songs is it? Is it actually a musical where it's just sort of almost so the whole way through? It's or? not. It's not like the Broadway musical. A bit like what they've done with Mean Girls. Yep. The soundtrack list has not necessarily been cut in half, mm-hmm. but I think a dozen songs or so okay. have been removed from the stage show. So generally, in a Broadway musical, most of the dialogue is done in song. Yeah. Whereas yeah. in a film musical, that's not the case. Yeah. So they have to allow for dialogue. Yeah. So there is definitely dialogue. I'd say there's more songs than Greatest Showman, mm-hmm. which means that there's more songs than Wonka. But I think Wonka is misleading in that the actual soundtrack is still... It has more songs than what the Mean Girls soundtrack has. The thing is, it's they're not all vocal. Like, there's a lot of instrumental tunes that... That's not a song. No, but it is, though. That's a but because background track. Well, not necessarily, because it help, helps link the songs together. Mm. If you pay attention to the background music in the dialogue scenes, mm. they blend, like, they give you a hint as to what songs are coming as well as reiterating songs that you've already heard. Yeah, right. So it helps kind of link them together. Are you saying that Wonka may have been a bit more nuanced than what I was... Yes. Uh, okay. Yes, I do. I really liked Wonka. I don't know why you were so against it. Yeah, I, I wasn't against it. Really? I just it, I was just underwhelmed. Okay. Um, I thought, like, Timothy Chalamet's performance was okay like okay. I, I feel like it was good don't get me wrong yep. he did a much better job than what i could have yeah um i just didn't think that it uh established anything worthwhile that contributed to the story okay i guess okay whereas i was the opposite in that i'm so used to seeing him play brooding teen mm. that the fact that he he was the complete opposite of that had me so shook mm. that I couldn't turn away. <laughs> Fair. I was so overwhelmed yeah. by this positively motivated human that yeah. I was like, what? What? what do you mean you're smiling? Is that what your teeth actually look like? <laughs> Yeah, you're not grimacing. What? Um, actually, that's probably a really fair point. Yeah. Like, I did really appreciate his character. Yeah. And it did make me want to be a magical yeah. chocolate chocolatier. Yeah. Um, I was probably at a disadvantage okay. when I went and saw Wonka because okay. I haven't seen Willy Wonka. And so... Well, that... As in, like, the Gene Wilder one or the Johnny Depp one? Either. So... <laughs> so, do you have any concept of... I, I know the Oompa Loompa song. Well, actually, no. I know the tune to the Oompa Loompa song. Okay. <laughs> I, and I, I remember as a kid always getting uh, Willy Wonka and... Uh, what's one of the Yellow Brick Road? No. Yeah. No. Always getting them confused. No. Always. This conversation ends now. <laughs> okay. Going back to The Colour Purple. Mm-hmm. Before I hit you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The Colour Purple 
a bit like what I was talking about with the Iron Claw last week. Mm-hmm. It's fundamentally really sad and quite depressing. But at the same time, super inspirational. Yeah, okay. And it's like, how does this keep happening? Yeah. How do I keep feeling sad and inspired at the same time? <laughs> what are you inspired to so do? Complex. Well, inspired by the fact that she had so much resilience to be able to deal mm. with what she dealt with for a very, very long period of yeah. her life. To then see where it got her and how she overcame it all. It's yeah. like she transformed herself into a strong, independent woman mm. in a time where society told her she couldn't do that. Mm. From not only society as a whole, but the people that she lived with and with family and knew and just... It's inspiring. And that confuses me. Do you think that this is intentional? Because this is now two films that you've you've had that yeah. kind of reaction to, and they've both Maybe been I'm just released. For inspiration. <laughs> well, they've both been released around the start of the year. Yeah. When people set New Year's resolutions, and you know they're trying to improve. Do you think yeah. this is the season for transformation? Well, yeah, depressing but also inspiring stories. Um, I mean, maybe. I expect Combat Wombat 2 to be, <laughs> <laughs> to be depressingly inspirational. I do want to be a Combat Wombat. Yeah. You're right. I mean, no, thank you. But the cartoon part feels really good. I don't know. I don't think so. I can't imagine that depressing films are the way you want to start the year. So mm. I don't think it's intentional. I think it's just happened to fall this way due to all the strikes last year that everything's kind of been uh, okay. pushed to now. And yeah. it feels like they're trying to inspire me early yeah yeah nice try i'm still resting after the end of last year (laughs) still getting over my christmas uh christmas hangover but i have always wondered why it was called the color purple Mm, because because of wonka right and cadbury we're not allowed to say it oh sorry (gasps) cooking but i've I've never read the book so Mm -hmm. i can't comment in the original film they make reference to the fields of purple, like the um, purple flowers that are on the farm. Okay. But that's not in this one. So I did some quick research as to why why it's called the colour purple. Mm-hmm. And it's because purple is a representation of power, which explains why a mm-hmm. lot of the royal stuff is purple. Yep. But in this case, it symbolises Celie's transformation into a confident, independent, and powerful woman when she started out as literally somebody who got sold by her dad to a man for literally, like, wheat. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So she comes a very, very, very long way. Yeah. And it's all in the representation of that transformation. Yeah. And I was like, I like that. That is really I cool. I don't mind that. So it's the colour of power. It is. Mm. Is that why your microphone is purple? <laughs> yes, yeah, just subliminal messaging there. Let's see what's happening. Uh, do you have time for a quick historical fact? I love a historical fact. Do you know why purple's the colour of power? Because all the other colours had already been taken. <laughs> because the dye to make purple was really was made out of really, Red really and blue. rare uh, ingredients that That's were close. really, really uh, expensive to import. Okay. Um, and so only the really wealthiest people, usually okay. like senators or yeah, okay. royalty, yep. um, could afford to buy purple dyes for their clothes and so just got associated with power oh. um, over the thousands of years of human history. Okay. I like that. Yeah. I like that. I mean, I didn't see any of that in this film. 
<laughs> so maybe that's the Colour Purple documentary. Did you stay to the end of the credits? Because I do a post credit scene where I just jump on screen and say, hey, quick historical I fact for you. I bathroom, bro. Uh, okay, yeah. But thank yeah, you for yeah, the encore. No, no, that's all right. You. That's really You're lovely. <laughs> I think what I did like about this adaptation is mm. the portrayal of the relationships compared to the first one. Okay. I think we go into a little bit more detail within the relationships, but I also think that the character arcs of the other characters are better. Mm-hmm. I feel like people get more of a story and get more growth. And we all know I like character development in a story. Mm. And you're a writer, so you pretty much have to like I do. character development. I do. So what makes great character development for you when you watch a movie? Ooh. Oh, I'm in the hot seat. Yeah, that's right. I think that you have to establish their motivation really early. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that for, for myself, that motivation has to feel real mm-hmm. uh, and justified. Yep. Probably if, if it can be a decision that I, I could see myself making in those same circumstances, yeah. um, then I'm on board w- with where they've been established. And then I think the, the part for the rest of the story, like that person has to confront and overcome things that they never thought they would be able to if yep. you were to ask them at the start of the film. Because okay. I want, at the end of that film, I want them to be an entirely different person. Okay. Just like 10 times better. Uh, and but yet, Vin Diesel for best actor in Fast X. <laughs> yeah, look. Okay. I was struggling to think of an actor that I had seen when I said that. Okay, sure. Um, but, you know, I'm still going to give it to Vin Diesel because, you know, he's he's been putting in, he's putting putting in, in the, hard, the yards. hard yards for years now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so for me, I think it's all about like where they establish the character and then making sure that that, that arc um, is different enough to where they end. Yeah. Uh, a really good um, example of that mm-hmm. would be the picture of Dorian Gray. Okay. Um, just like that's obviously a negative arc and it's it's a corruptive arc mm-hmm. um, from where the character starts to where they end. Mm-hmm. But um, so long as there's change, yeah. I'm there for it. Yeah. Well, I feel the same. Uh, a good example that... I always use is from the movie you were really referencing before with the yellow brick road. I think that in, <laughs> Wizard of Oz. in the Wizard of Oz, I think Dorothy has a great character arc in that the movie literally starts with her wanting to run away from home mm. to by the end, literally being like, there's no place like home. I just want yeah. you to go home. We go from one extreme to the other. Yeah. And we end in a completely different place than how we started. Yeah. And she does it for me. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, and I think that's like a from a writing perspective, that's a common strategy mm-hmm. that you like when you create a character. You might, it, sometimes a story starts with the character, and you're like, "Hey, there's this really eccentric person that's living in my mind. I want to write something about them. Yeah, this is where they're at. Yeah, what would they never do? And yeah, then the story is about making them do that and making them make that choice, which is why Evil. it's always harrowing. <laughs> so loaded question. Mm-hmm. Is the character development always better in the book than in the movie? <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Okay. Totally. And it, this is actually a question I'm going to flip and turn back oh. to you because I think we found the opposite in Mean Girls where there wasn't any time to establish the characters mm-hmm. because there were musical elements in there yeah. that they you know, had to include. Mm-hmm. Not the same problem in The Colour Purple. It no. sounds like they yeah. were able to pull off the characterization yeah. and the musical I, element. I think... Because they use the songs in a different way. Yeah. To be able to, instead of them progressing the story, mm-hmm. they progress the characters. Yeah. Whereas cool. I think with Mean Girls, 
we tried too hard to do both. Yeah. And didn't really do either. Yeah. Yeah. That's a beautiful answer. Thank I love you. it. No, that's really, really cool. Because yeah. I, I was wondering, cause, yeah, they're both musicals, they're mm-hmm. both films, they're both based on yeah. previous works. Yeah. But this one did better mm-hmm. than Mean Girls. Yeah. So, I mean, to be fair, though, had more time. The runtime for The Colour Purple is two hours and 20 minutes. Mean Girls was just under two hours. Mm. So we had lesser time to be able to do this with Mean Girls than what they did with The Colour Purple. Yeah, yeah. Interesting, because I would counter-argue that the story in The Colour Purple is probably a lot more complicated and nuanced and over a much, much it's greater over span of time. But I think because you know that, mm. they can get away with cutting out really big portions of time like we jump years in the storytelling whereas in mean girls it's a snapshot of a very small period of time yep which requires more detail for the story to make more sense it's it's a crazy world really (laughs) you can see why screenwriters pull their hair out all the time oh absolutely to be able to fit this all in yep and then only to go unthanked by the population yeah i appreciate each and every single one of your efforts, Me even too. if I don't feel that they've hit my need. But that's only because I had seen the musical. That's that's what I'm putting them down to. <laughs> I'm putting it down to, and I don't want anyone to deter from seeing these movies mm. because I need you guys to see them, to see if what I'm saying is right. Yeah. Hashtag listen to me. No, yeah. really. Don't listen to me. I want you to go out there and make your own opinions, but I also want to know what it's like from a perspective of someone who hasn't seen the originals of yeah. a bit like you with Wonka but that just seemed like a silly move because <laughs> so many <laughs> mm. <Yeah>. but <laughs> uh, yeah I'm always intrigued to know what people that have no prior context think about things like this yeah. because you're going in so fresh yeah. and I always want to know what you're thinking and if you want to know what we're thinking you know what you should do hit subscribe you should hit subscribe <laughs>